Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Patrick Flynn from The Wellness Way. You are listening to Cairo Candy with Billy Sticker. You're listening to Cairo Candy, the podcast of sweet chiropractic success. Here's your host, Billy Sticker. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode number 67 of Cairo Candy. And I am your host, Billy Sticker. This will be another solo show, which we really don't do these that often. Uh, but today, I'm very excited about the content we're going to cover. Uh, it's came up a lot in some coaching calls I've had recently. Um, and I just think it's it's needed, and it's going to be very beneficial to you. But we're going to talk about seven secrets to closing more patients. And I know the the title itself, some of you kind of cringe at. Uh, you know, you want to help more patients, but you don't like the idea, really just the verbiage of closing more patients. You know, there's this negative connotation that selling and closing has, but that's maybe one of the reasons you're struggling in practice. So we're going to get into a lot of that. But before we do, uh, a couple of things I want to mention real quick. One, I've had this cough. <laughs> I was actually getting over a chest cold and I've got this cough that's kind of lingering. So, uh, well, <coughs> Excuse me. See, there we go now. I've had some zinc lozenges, and that has been helping. Uh, and I've got some water here at uh, at hand. I will be pausing from time to time to drink some of that. But you know, I like these. Uh, the audio quality of these shows is really pretty important to me. Uh, I want it to be as high quality as possible because you and I both know uh, it can be great content. But if you're having a hard time hearing it, and there's static and all kinds of other noises. You, it's just a distraction and you'll turn it off and you'll go, you know, download something else. So, uh, I just giving you heads up. There may be a few coughs here and there and I apologize, but, um, let's, let's get into this. You know, I've talked before and a lot of you guys know that I have a, a pretty substantial background in sales. You know, for 17 years, I worked at a precious metals company. Actually, there was a couple of them during that time span. Uh, I spent several years as sales manager, and uh, I really enjoyed it. A lot, of, a lot of what we did there, I really enjoyed. But there are some fundamental principles to selling that are very, very applicable in your practice. And a lot of docs just aren't taking advantage of them. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. Now, let's go ahead and get into it. The first one is selling is good. Greed is bad. Okay, so point number one would be selling is good, greed is bad. You know, <clears throat> God created everything as this give and take. Okay, it, everything's set up on an exchange. For example, humans, we breathe in oxygen. We exhale carbon dioxide. And the plants and trees, they take in the carbon dioxide and then expel oxygen that we need it's this exchange system so everybody's happy you know it's it's value for value and that's the same thing that selling is selling should be an exchange of value now where it's bad is greed when greed comes in that's where you know where yes it is a negative thing uh, i was talking to somebody recently and they do events <coughs> Excuse me. They do events for chiropractors. They do seminars and stuff. Um, and they don't have vendors show up. And you know what? I, hey, I get it. That's totally his prerogative. 
Well, I was this past weekend, I was up in Dallas at um, the Texas Chiropractic Association's, their Cairo Texpo, and uh, it was a big event. You know, they're doing a lot of docs there, doing their continuing education uh, credits and uh, several vendors and stuff set up there. And one of the things I was talking with another vendor about is the benefits of these vendors. Now, granted, I, I do understand if there's vendors in an event that don't have a product or service that's valuable to chiropractors, or they're coming from a standpoint of greed or something. Well, yeah, why, why would you want to offer that to chiropractors? But most of these vendors have very legitimate and solid services that help practices bring in more money, keep more money, you know, make more money, whatever it may be, or make their lives easier, save them time. Uh, a lot of these vendors have products and services that benefit and help these practitioners. So I think it's a good thing to have vendors to offer their services if they can make a difference, you know, in to these chiropractors. Um, but it's sometimes, you know, it, it is a mindset. Selling is good. Okay. It's an exchange. If you have something valuable to offer, that it is totally okay to expect money <coughs> excuse me in return okay selling is good it's the greed that's bad so that's point number 1 point number 2 or secret number 2 is everyone sells all right and a lot of you guys have probably heard this before or maybe because i've had such a career in sales i think everybody else has heard this but think about it you know if you've ever applied for a job you were selling yourself to that employer that sells if you've ever asked someone out on a date that is selling you know if you've asked someone to marry you that is selling okay there's people don't like to be sold okay but they like to buy yeah well that's a totally different lesson right there um but everyone sells and there's nothing wrong with it. Remember, it's the greed that's bad. It's almost like that scripture, you know, people go around saying, you know, uh, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, it, that's where the greed comes in. But everybody sells, okay? Um, kids. A lot of times our kids are trying to sell us on, you know, why they can do this or, you know, can they please do this? And no, you can't. Or, you know, I said it's past your bedtime. And then what do they say? But, and they come back with, you know, they're trying to overcome that objection. Uh, one of the things I noticed in sales is, <coughs> and we're gonna, excuse me, we'll get into this in a little bit more, a little bit later on. But when we would be training some of these guys, you know, it, in the coin business, we only called customers who've called us first. We'd place an ad in a magazine. They would call in. They would order some silver or gold coins. Uh, we'd kind of build a relationship with them. After they got their coins, we'd call them back. Did you get it? Did you like it? Great. You know, how's the weather out there? Just get to know them, build relationships with them, and then offer them other coins. Now, not everybody would buy, but a lot of people enjoyed it. They had extra money. Uh, you know, it was a decent profit, but it wasn't, you know, taking advantage of anybody. So it was a good business. Well, a lot of times, you know, you would have somebody that would say no, and they may say no three or four times, but we would tell these guys, you've got to take, we call it taking more no's and you can do it without being pushy. And that's where it really, you know, finesse and stuff came in 
to being. And I had a manager or one of the owners of the company I worked for years ago. He used the example like this. He said, let's say this local gun store called and they had this, you know, what, I don't know that much about shotguns, but, uh, you know, they had this shotgun that came in <coughs> and, you know, so they called the owner said, Hey, look, we just got this gun in. I know you talked about wanting one. Uh, it's a really good deal. Well, at first the owner's like, you know, I'd probably say no, just cause I'm busy. I'm doing other stuff. Yeah, no, no, thank you. But if the salesman was like, listen, I totally understand. I know you didn't expect me to call today, but the only reason I did is because you and I both know this is a $3,500 gun. The way we got it in, I can let it go for only 2,700. And if I didn't call you on it and down the road, you found out I had one for 2,700. I don't want you mad at me. So it's not my position to make up your mind for you, but I'm telling you right now at this price, you know, and let's say that that went on two or three times. He wasn't being rude, but he was just, understanding, you know, uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. One of the habits is understand, then be understood. It's the same thing in selling, understand their objection, let them know where you're, they're coming from and then seek to be understood. You let them know, I understand your position and now you let them know where you're coming from. And so you can go in several closes without offending somebody uh, especially when you have a relationship with them. But uh, the owner of the company went on to say, let's say that that happened, you know, four or five, six times. And finally, I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'll take it. He said, when I get that gun in, am, am I going to be mad about it? Am I going to look at it and be upset at that salesman all the time? No. The only reason I bought it is because I like it. I'm going to be showing my friends when they come over. I'm going to be calling my brother to come take a look at it. And that really kind of sunk in with me that even though people say no at first, a lot of times it's because they don't know enough. K-N-O-W. They're not saying no, they don't want it. Uh, <coughs> so there is a way that you can go in for several closes and, and not be rude. Well, training these younger guys, whenever they would come, come to work for us, um, I realized something one day. They're taught from an early age, you know, their parents teach them, what did I say? No means no. You know, don't wart me, quit hounding me. No means no. And so we're supposed to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and then not ask again. And so our oldest son, Brady, when he was young, and I first realized this, this is what I told him. I said, look, if I say no, you're, you're going to tell whenever I'm really adamant and I mean no. But I want you, I'm giving you permission that if I say no, if you can calmly plead your case and make me listen, I'll listen. And my point was, I wanted to teach him, you know, how to somewhat handle, you know, rejection, but also overcome an objection. You know, now there was times where he was always trying to sell us and we'd have to say, look, no, the answer is no. Uh... <coughs> Excuse me, but I hope you kind of understand where I'm coming from. You know, we're all taught no is no, but here's the question. If you're sitting in front of a patient and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can help them. You have what they need. Whose responsibility is it here to do the selling? It's your responsibility for that patient's sake 
to really give it all you have. Okay. But from the mindset of you're doing it for them, not you. And that's, we'll get into that here in just a second. But anyway, everybody sells job interviews, dates, spouses, our kids. I didn't mean to go off on that rabbit trail a while ago, but I think it ties into what we're talking about. So the third key or the third secret is sell or be sold. When you're sitting in that report of findings, somebody's being sold. Okay. Either you're selling them on why they need care that you can, you know, you do have the solution to their problem, uh, and they're buying or they're selling you on why they can't. Let's face it. They're there for a reason. So when you walk out of a report and they're not accepting care, you've just been sold. Okay. So every time you go into that room, know somebody's being sold. It's either going to be you or it's going to be them. Okay. But you need to come from the standpoint, like we said at the very beginning, not of greed, but of service of value. Okay. The fourth thing is price is not the objection. Okay. When they say I can't afford it, what they're saying is my money is more valuable than your service as of right now. Okay. Price is the objection everybody goes to. It's the easiest objection to go to. But typically what they're saying is you haven't shown me enough value to justify me spending $2,500 on a care plan. Uh, I have a set of, of lawyer scale, scales, like the justice scales. Matter of fact, I'm looking at them right here next to my desk. And I bought these when I was sales manager and I used to use these in sales training. And you have to think about it like this. I wish you guys can, could see this right here. Whenever you first close, their money is heavy, okay? Their money is weighing those scales down, and your service is up, up on the other side. And so when they say no, that they can't afford it, they're saying that their money is more valuable than your service. So what you have to do, this is part of the sales process, is create more value and as you create more and more value on your side of the scale, the scale starts to tip. And once you've created enough value that your services are worth more than their money, they're done. Okay? They're buying. They're giving you the credit card. They're coming up with payment plans, whatever it is, they're done. But you have to create that much value. Now that goes back to your exam, to your, you know, your day one. That's everything. Okay, you have to create value to begin with. Now you have to deliver also. Okay, um, but just know, I mean, that right there is huge. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. We're, we're going to bring that back around for the value. Let's kind of recap real quick. Number one, selling is good, greed is bad. Number two, everyone sells. Number three, sell or be sold. Number four, price is not the objection. Okay, that's not the true objection. Uh, number five is objections are good. Okay, when properly handled objections, it, it's them telling you, look, I want your service, but here's the problem. I work until this time. I, can, I don't get off. Okay, I, I don't, I can't take off that much time from work to come in. Okay, that's an objection. If you can handle that, then 
they're accepting care. Okay, or if it is money, you come up with a payment plan or some kind of you know payment arrangements. If you can handle that, then you're they're done. Okay, they're accepting care. Uh, if it's a family member, you know I've got a you know my wife needs to come back, my husband needs to come back. If you can handle those objections, then that's good because an objection is telling you what you need to overcome to get them to accept care. Now, what I encourage you to do is make a list. Just take a legal pad and write down the common objections that you normally hear. You know, finances, spouse, uh, time, whatever it may be. Write, write all these down. And then for each one of them, try to come up with five to ten ways to handle each objection. Every time you hear a new objection, okay, after the patient leaves, go in your office Add it to the list. When you have five to ten solutions for each of these objections, do you think you're going to close more patients? Absolutely. And when you're closing more patients, all of a sudden your marketing became way more effective. If right now for every ten new patients that come in, you're closing six, and you can start closing eight, well, you just made a lot more money. You know, or you can close ninety percent. Okay. Um, and you to do that you have to be able to overcome objections now here is a tip for you on objections and if you don't listen to anything else i say during this podcast listen to this if you overcome their objection and it keeps changing and you overcome it and then they change it to something else then that means they're lying okay uh and that's so true and i've done it before Talking to a car salesman, you know, I'll say, well, it's the price. And they overcome the price and say, well, really, it's, you know, this, it's this. It's, we just don't want to come out and say, no, we're not interested in the vehicle, okay, or whatever it may be. Um, but if you overcome their objection and then they switch their objection to something else and something else and then something else, well, that means they're just not telling you the truth. And tell them that, you know, I think it's totally okay for you to be upfront with them. You know, listen, Miss Smith, I do this all day long, every day. I've done it for years. And it sounds to me like, you know, you said it was finances. We kind of overcame that. You said it was this. What's the real issue? You know, and just confront them about it. So that was number five. Number six is big money than little money. This is huge. Whenever you go, okay, you always want to talk about big money first, then little money. Okay, let's look at some different examples. Um, in the coin business, we would sell coins. And let's say we had some new guy, and he was going through prospecting. He's going through calling a bunch of leads who you know, maybe haven't bought from our company in the past year or so. Well, let's say that he had a gold coin, or we had a bunch of gold coins in that were $1,500 a piece. We would train our guys to call with you know, 40 coins at a time. So they would, you know, call their customers and present $30,000. You know, Mr. Smith picks up the phone, they get to talking to him, you know, how are the grandkids, is that another, you know, hey, how's your wife doing? You listen, we just got these gold coins in. They're a different date, but they match the other coins you have. I've got 40 available. Normally they'd be, you know, $35,000. Right now I can do them at only 30000 you know. And we'd tell them to go in at the higher number and, 
and stay there. Stay there for three or four closes. Even if the guy's like, no, there's no way I'm spending 30 grand right now on coins. Hey, listen, Mr. Smith, I totally understand. I almost didn't even call you. But, you know, the reason I did, it was such a good deal. Um, you know, I didn't want you mad at me if you found out in the future, you know, in the future that I had them. Listen, do this. And then, you know, we'd go back in again. And what starts to happen is Mr. Smith starts thinking, you know, look, there's no way I'm going to move 30000 because if And he's thinking in his mind, because if I did, I'd have to move it. I'd have to sell these stocks. I'd have to, he's thinking about where he could even get 30000 if he wanted to. And then what happens is the salesman would say, listen, that's fine. You know, I don't want you to do anything that's uncomfortable. Do this. While I have them in here, pick up three of them. You know, three of them, you're only looking at 4500 bucks. I, I know you can do that, right? Well, what happened? All of a sudden, that $4,500 looks like a very small pile of money because he's been looking in his mind at the $30,000. And what would happen is all of a sudden, these, you know, three grand deals, $4,500 deals were a lot easier for these salesmen than if they were to just call this customer and say, hey, Mr. Smith, listen, we just got in some of these coins that are only $1,500 a piece. You know, uh, would you like all five of them or 20? You know, what do you think? Well, now the customer's thinking $1,500 a piece. And he's thinking checking account money, you know, saving account. And he's just not interested at all. But when you talk about the big money, it sets this watermark in their head. And then anything less than that is less. Well, the same thing, if you ever went to go buy a new suit and you go in, they don't show you the $60 tie and then the $100 shirt. They don't do it that way. What do they do first? You know, hey, look, I'm going out of town. I'm speaking to the convention, whatever it's going to be. You know, I need a new suit, shirt, tie. They bring you to go look at the suits first. You know, you pick out a five or $600 suit. Then they show you the $100 shirt. Then the $60 tie. Because a $100 shirt and a $60 tie looks very inexpensive once you've already purchased, you know, the five dollars $600 suit. So you always start with the bigger number and then go down, okay? It sets that watermark and then everything goes less. I went to, uh, you know, Damon John's off Shark Tank. Got something in the mail, gosh, back in February. And I think I may have even mentioned this on a previous episode. But he was coming, well, he wasn't coming, but his company was coming to town and uh, they were doing, you know, one of these, you know, free presentations. And I knew they were going to be selling a bigger workshop coming up. But I wanted to go because I wanted to take notes on the process, you know, on the structure, on their sales presentation. And so I get there and it was actually me and a buddy of mine and I actually brought Brady, our oldest boy, he came with us. And, um, and I'm taking notes on how they structured their pitch. You know, they started off painting the dream, you know, about how you can be successful as an entrepreneur and, you know, have your own products and they were tied it into Shark Tank and all this. Well, during their presentation, they, you know, they did that and then really they started following the past formula that I talk about. Problem, agitate, solution, and take action. And so they paint the dream and they get into the problem. You know, well, the problem is you don't know where to start. You know, how do you get your funding? How do you do this? How do you do that? And then they agitate it. And then they, you know, their solution was their workshop coming up. But as they're telling their, you know, going through the presentation, they used an example of this guy who made it to Shark Tank and was on Damon's, I say team, you know, Damon ended up investing 
uh, in it, and it was this belt company. Well, the guy mentioned that he spent twenty grand beforehand just to get prepared to even be on Shark Tank. He invested twenty thousand dollars, and then they went on to show how, after working with Damon, you know, his company's worth like you know five bajillion dollars or whatever it is. This huge company, and and I knew what they're doing. I knew they're trying to put in everybody's mind their services, their product is worth twenty grand. And so, you know, I wrote that down, 20 grand. Um, and then a little bit later, they talk about how, you know, the, this is coming up on a certain weekend. And if you can't make it, don't worry about it because uh, you can really, they do this all, all year, all over the country. You can come to any of them. They're only $4,000. And there was a lady sitting next to me. And uh, I don't even remember what she said she had developed or something. But she leaned over and she was like, $4,000, that's actually a really good deal. I said, just wait, it's going to get cheaper. And because they said, okay, but if you can make it to the one in Houston we're doing, you know, two weeks from now, it's only nine ninety seven. And then that lady looked at me. She's like, how did you know? I was like, just, just watch. And uh, so they dropped the price to nine ninety seven if you can commit to go that weekend. And so you could see, you know, first off, everybody had already thought $20,000 is what this course is worth. But we can have it for four thousand. So now they're trying to figure out, okay, where can I get four thousand dollars? Oh wait, it's only nine ninety seven. And then what did they do? He said, you know what? But what we're gonna do special tonight? If you want to bring a guest or you have a business partner, you can bring someone else with you for free. And you know what? I guess if you wanted to, you could team up with somebody else here and just split the cost. So they basically went twenty thousand, four thousand, a thousand to four ninety seven. And when he said, "Take these forms, fill them out if you're interested, take them to the back table," there was probably six to seven hundred people there that night. I bet you eighty percent of the people jumped up with their forms, went to the back of the room, and a lot of it was, you know, I'm sure that. I mean, Damon Johns is a pretty reputable guy. I'm sure he's he offers a good service. But the way it was presented, the val- they stacked so much value that the product weighed more than your $500. Because I tell you right now, if they would have advertised this whole presentation is, hey, come listen to us sell you a $500 product, this $500 program, would they have got eight, seven or 800 people in this room? No, they wouldn't have. Okay, but it was the way they presented it. So big number, then little number. Okay, that was number six. And then number seven is you won't close a big deal unless you ask. We used to tell the guys in the coin business, you know, you're never going to get a $50,000 deal if every presentation you're asking for $2,000. Nobody's ever going to say, oh, well, you know, hey there, Billy. I know you're asking me for two thousand, but you know I just got a hundred thousand dollars from the seller some property. What can I do with it? That just doesn't happen. You know you're only going to get it if you ask. And there's a scripture. It's in Matthew seven seven. Uh, you know you have. Or, well, I don't know if that's it. That's about asking. But you know there's a scripture that says you have not because you ask not. Uh, so you're never going to get it unless you ask. Well, I had a client. I have a client who uh, he's actually, they offer chiropractic services and they also do some neuropathy. Well, 
he has been, which and we've even talked about Dr. Gum's blueprint to neuropathy program. Well, this doc uh, invested in that program, and he's just he's killing it. You know, it, his patients. He's he called me the other day. He's like, oh, you just won't believe the testimonials I'm getting. You know, he says it's working. He's going on and on about his, you know, how well his patients are doing. Well, the programs that they're offering for these patients with neuropathy, uh, great results. Well, there's like a, I think a three thousand and six thousand. Those are the top two programs he's been offering his patients. There's another one that's less than that, but the patients just it takes them longer to get results. So he's been sticking with the, the higher two, and he's just he's a closing machine, you know, which isn't bad because. The patients are getting results in their raving fans and they're sending in referrals. Um, but I think he's on pace this month. You know, we're halfway through the month. He's probably going to close or collect probably $80,000 above what he does for chiropractic that his associate brings in. So he's he's just stoked. Well, he called me. This was this weekend. I was up in Dallas. <clears throat> it was Friday morning. And he said, look, he goes, what do you think? about me offering a $10,000 package to a client. And my first response was, is the value there? And he goes, well, here's really what I wanted to do. And now remember, this is not coming from a standpoint of greed. He knew that he wanted to tie in a lot of the neuropathy stuff that they're doing with these patients and then open up some, um, just some other services, um, and so he was telling me that, you know, if you do some of the other services, some of the decompression and, and all this, that some of the patients need anyway. Um, he said, yes. He said, you know, if they paid for all this out separately, you'd be looking at almost $14,000 worth of care. So if I package it together, it's, you know, I'll do it for, you know, 9900 bucks or so. And, you know, so the first thing I said is the value there, is it going to benefit the client? Um, and then I told him, I said, look, only good things can happen because one, you're never going to get a $10,000 deal if you don't ask for it. And even if you ask for it and the patient says no, what happens? All of a sudden that $3,000 and $6,000 package looks an awful lot smaller. And so <clears throat> I haven't even talked to him this week. I don't know if he's you know tried that yet. But it's the same thing, you know, we would tell the guys in the coin business. You're not going to get a big deal unless you ask for a big deal. And um, so I hope that you've got some value out of this. And you go back and, you know, and think about what we talked about. <clears throat> Remember, from the very beginning, I said, this is not coming from a standpoint of greed. Okay? It's coming from a standpoint of you have a valuable service to offer your patients. When your patients invest in your services, it benefits them. And if you don't think, if you're not sold on what you're doing, you need to go find a new a new profession, or you need to go to to a seminar or something and get grounded in what it is you offer as a chiropractor. You know, that's another client called, and he was having issues with an associate. His associate just was ha he was having a hard time closing, and you know, talking with the guy, we realized that his associate is just. He's never had a chiropractic miracle. Uh, he wanted to be a chiropractor just because he wanted to be in healthcare and just thought that's just the road he picked. But the doctor asked him, you know, the, the owner asked the associate, you know, would you 
pay $2,500 for that care plan? And the associate said, nope, which told him right there, he doesn't see the value in it. Okay. So you have to be convicted. You have to know that the services and the value that you're offering is worth it. Okay. It tips the scale. And then after that, all it all comes down to having the right patients in front of you and presenting your care plan in a way where you build that value and they know that they're going to get the results that they're hoping for and you know that you're going to deliver those results. So let's recap the seven real quick. Selling is good. Greed is bad. That's number one. Number two, everyone sells. Okay, Everyone sells. Number three is sell or be sold. Secret number four is price is not the objection. Okay, remember it's the it's the value there. So when they say it's price, just know that there's you haven't shown enough value yet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop right there for a second. <clears throat> we would have guys on the phone, and they would close one or two times, and then they were they would you could tell they were trying to overcome the price objection. They were trying to delay out the billing or, you know, put it on a credit card or whatever. And so many times we would have to tell these guys, go back to selling the coin. Because the first objection everybody gives is price. And so if you're trying to overcome that price thing, you're missing it. Because what they're really saying is, my money weighs more than your product. Okay, so price is not the real objection. When you have enough value that you're giving, okay, and that value is there, and it weighs more than their money, you've made the sale. So that was number four. Number five, objections are good, okay? Make a list of objections, list out five to ten ways to handle each objection, uh, and then know when they give you an objection that it's a tool that you can use, okay, that you solve that, you're going to help them accept care. And then number six, big money, then little money. Okay, the big money creates a watermark in their in their head, and then the smaller money is going to look a lot smaller. So big money, then little money. Uh, and then number seven, you'll never close a big deal if you don't ask. And that's something else that a lot of salespeople in general have issues with. Uh, a lot of people never even ask for the sale. You know, we used to have guys that would call customers on the phone and talk to them and the customers would say, well, I can't do anything right now. You know, I, I don't have any money and they wouldn't even present them, you know? Well, a lot of times those customers would say that because they knew if it was a good deal, they were going to buy it because they love coins. And so sometimes they were trying to protect themselves, if you will. No, I'm just not going to do anything, but hear the story, hear the coin, you know, and they would purchase. Uh, but you've got to ask you got to ask for the business uh, if you ever want to get the business. So hope you enjoyed that. Head on over to chirocandy.com forward slash 067, and I'll have a list of, uh, of all these there for you. Uh, and that's it. That's going to be it for this episode, and we will see you next week for another edition of Cairo Candy. See you.